Hey there, everyone. I'm Andrew Fulton, your host of the Rigway Podcast. We want to thank everyone for listening to episode one, and I especially want to thank those that have subscribed to the podcast on their preferred listening platforms. Right now, I'm going to give a shout out to IRATA. IRATA is the Industrial Rope Access Trade Association, and I'm going to share with you IRATA's aims and objectives from their website. So here they are. To be the leading worldwide organization for rope access. Promote and maintain high standards, safety, work quality, and working practices for the industrial rope access industry. Dedicated to improving best practices for individuals working in rope access. Promoting continual improvement in the education and training aspects of rope access, and increasing awareness of the advantages of rope access over alternative access methods. So there you have it. Those aims and objectives are why RIG is an IRATA operations and services company and also an IRATA training company. IRATA is the highest standard in the rope access industry, and that is definitely the RIG way. All right, Chad, thanks for doing this, bud, and joining us today. I know you're slammed right now. Your responsibilities at RIG are huge, so your time's a premium. So appreciate you being here, dude. Oh, thanks for having me, Andrew. <laughs> All right. Well, let's <laughs> jump in. And, uh, you know, you're a man of, uh, you got a lot to talk about and you got a lot to share. You got a deep construction background. And I'm just going to start out like that, man. When did you start doing construction? Uh, I started doing construction, I guess, when I was probably, I was 15. I started as a uh, apprentice for a bricklayer at 15 years old. All right. Did that for a couple years. Mm-hmm. And then uh, that ended up leading me into a bunch of general construction framing. Uh I worked for a carpenter. Uh, He was a master carpenter, built churches and houses. Nice. And I was just an apprentice under him for a while, uh, mainly a slave. (laughs) He was great, though. He was a master builder, master carpenter. Guy's name was Matt. I can't remember his last name. Out of Youngstown, Ohio, where I'm from. And then uh, after that, I ended up getting into welding that was really my next next one i guess and welding that's the just one that really stuck. appealed to you yeah it's the one that stuck for me the most i guess like <laughs> i learned pretty quick that uh i could manipulate metal a little bit better after screwing it up than i could a two by four <laughs> you right, could take cool. a quarter inch off a two by four and it's done but uh with steel you could sort of fix it easier nice yeah and i know uh <laughs> I, you know that's interesting because i didn't know that you had a little background doing masonry work so that was your first gig and at rig we've done yeah. some rope access masonry work yeah. so that's uh that was interesting because i you knew all this lingo that i never i've never even heard before so that was pretty cool so welding is your is your jam and so tell us a b- little bit about welding you know rig is a welding company we do specialty welding and you know tell us a little bit about you know what's required to get out there and be a welder for rig sure yeah just a make a point right at the gate like by no means am i a master welder uh, or fabricator by any means you know i've i've got some certifications for basic structural stuff but i'm not a pipe welder or you know master tig welder or anything like that generally just uh d11 stuff aws d11 stuff um for the rope access industry i would say the most prevalent tickets are the 3g and 4g tickets which are just structural tickets uh, for vertical uphill welding and overhead welding uh, for shielded metal arc welding or SMA. Um, that's what we look for the most. 
because mm-hmm. we do ninety five percent of our jobs at rig or structural welding jobs yep. and then you know once in a while we'll get uh some jobs that require uh some pipe welding certifications which could be <clears throat> excuse me either stick or tig um sometimes we'll weld stainless high pressure uh, gas lines or you know steam lines stuff like that so either uh 3g and 4g are definitely the most prevalent and the most sought after for us and where we're at in our company. Uh, and then also 6G is a good one to have too. Okay, that's awesome. So there you have it, folks. If uh, you're interested in learning about welding, Chad just gave you a little uh, feedback right there on the best uh, tickets to have. So how did you get involved in rope access and at what point did that get brought into your work repertoire? Do you know the answer to this one or no? No, I don't. Yeah. Uh, Good question. I guess uh, so. I was working as a climbing guide. Okay. <laughs> which was, I was a single pitch instructor at the New River Gorge in West Virginia. And I was probably 23, 22, 23 years old. I can't remember. And a good friend of ours, a mutual friend of ours, Adam Harrington, reached out to me. He had moved out to Vegas uh, the year before and he got a job working for, it was Rhino Rigging. And then there was another branch of that company called Rhino Safety Solutions. And it was sort of formed up by this guy, Bill Paul. And Bill was a really, really uh, sort of just Jedi, uh, original like OG rope access dude, really good builder. And they had a couple jobs where they needed somebody to weld off of ropes. Wow. And Adam gave me a call. Wow. He said, hey man, can you weld on ropes? And I'm like, yeah, I could try to. He's, you know, if you can get the machine close enough and you know, yeah, I think we can do it. I had no idea. I had no idea people even did something like that. I didn't know what rope access was. I had no idea. I'd never heard of it before. And Adam sort of gave me the breakdown, gave me a rundown of it. <laughs> and uh, man, shortly after, you know, he, he told me uh, if I came out, I'd have a job, you know, if I can bust out some welds on some ropes. Wow. So I packed my little Ford Probe GT <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, with the little belongings that I had as a 23-year-old climbing bum wow. in West Virginia. So I was sort of phasing out of the welding shop that I was working at in Youngstown and, uh, you know, trying to become a better climber and mixing that up. And, uh, yeah, that was it. I, You know, the rest is sort of history. Man, I, I, that's that's great. I didn't know that Adam was the yep. the guy that gave you your yeah. first call to get you out here to get you welding on ropes too. Yeah, I mean, welding on ropes, it just sounds so wild. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, when you think about all that and, you know, I mean, that story and did you ever think about like when you started teaching climbing and being a single pitch instructor and then your construction that you could ever make money like no, never. Absolutely not. Ropes. No way. No. I mean, I was, I was just a blue collar kid from a little steel town in Ohio, yeah. and you know everything was just hard. You know everything was hard to come by. Making money was hard to come by. You know everything yeah. was just bat breaking work. Construction was hardcore, and I was excited to you know sort of get into you know climbing guiding. I thought that was sort of the path I was in to end up taking. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it was awesome, you know, transition from going from hard construction day in, day out, backbreaking yeah. work to being a climbing guide yeah, for yeah. a little bit. And, yeah. you know, and I came out here and I did some guiding work for Jackson Hole, Las Vegas, cool. you know, Jackson Hole Mountain Guides, Las Vegas nice. uh, for Rob Hess and Mark Lamage was my, yeah. my boss. Great oh, guy, yeah. Great mutual guy. friend of ours there too. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I had no idea. I'd never, I never thought of it. And, you know, generally rope access to me still, you know, it's, it's just a great 
you know, if you've worked construction, like real construction your whole life, then you understand that, you know, how hard that is. I don't know. Rope access to me was, you know, it's hard work. Don't get me wrong. I say it's easy, but generally I do find it a bit more tolerable and just, uh, it, it brings in a different, uh, set of skills for people and different mindset, I guess. Yeah. Everybody's sort of, you know, you're working at heights. Yeah. You sort of weed out some of the, you know, general people in construction. Yeah, of course. So here's a question I have uh, pertaining to working on ropes. In your opinion, what are the best trade skills for the up and coming generations to have uh, that don't want to take the traditional college route that we hear a lot being talked about lately? Um, what would those skills be to complement a career in rope access, do you think? Sure. Good question. Uh, I get asked that a lot, you know, and I'm sure you do. And so does Bob. And um, generally, you know, it depends on what company you're working for. Uh, there's a bunch of different companies out there. Some of them, you know, do they're multifaceted, mm -hmm. you know, sort of like we are. We're yep. pretty multifaceted, I'd say, as a company. We're not sure. just doing any one trade. Yeah. Any trade skills are better to have than none. Let's put it out there right out the gate like that. Yeah. Uh, other than that, you know, obviously, you know, I could say welding for sure. Yep. NDT inspections, non-destructive testing yep. uh, for inspectors. You know, if you if you have a good background at like note taking, if you're really organized as a person, if uh, you know you like collecting data, mm -hmm. you know, consider NDT. That's a good one to do. Coatings awesome there's tons of you know coatings. we've done tons of huge coatings jobs nace is a good ticket for that uh it's sort of like you know a high level of coating specialty yeah. there and then uh yeah man there's so many different ones i mean it just depends on what company you're working for though and just any any skills that you can bring to the plate you're going to have an easier time getting yeah. getting a job but to me if i was going to say one thing right out the gate and i'll, I'll throw it out there to me the most important one that you can have to step into it is a really deep knowledge in rigging in general rigging yeah. is either an entertainment rigger a high rigger a show rigger those those general skills blend into to me the best rope access technician because you can't just be a rope tech yeah. and you know a climber you know and jump in and, and have a lot of skills you need to have those basic you know ground rigging skills the high rigging skills knowing how to make bridles up uh, yeah. in the air. It's yeah. really important to have those. To me, we're always looking for those, those hybrid workers, that, the guys that have the, the really good deep uh, background in general rigging. And then with the rope access, when you blend those two, you're yeah. a monster. Yeah, you're a monster. And, you know, rigging is really important because we're really moving stuff around all the time. We're either lifting it up, lowering it down, uh, moving it across the ground. We've got to get things someplace. And you know, so yeah, what Chad said right there, having a, a background in rigging is really important. And, you know, you guys heard what he just said there, friends, uh, welding skills, NDT inspection, coatings, those are, uh, those are essential to have a, you know, a well-rounded career in rope access so you can work all the time. So Chad, you're known as a mentor to quite a few folks in the rope access oh industry. Uh, people call you all the time for advice. You just said that. What would be some simple advice and helpful success strategies that you would give a young person starting out a career in construction? Oh man, that's a scary one there. It's scary to think that I'm a mentor at this point. Good grief. Of I course just, you are. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah, I guess I'm the old guy now and yeah. Um, I guess, you know, just 
being able to work well with others oh, is super clutch. important. You know, teamwork is the most important thing. Leaving your ego at home yeah. is is generally a really good idea. Yeah. Um, just being really versatile. You yeah. know, it's, it's, we're always being moved around all the time, pushed around, you know, in construction alone. But for us, we do a lot of offshore work. We're mm -hmm. always having to travel. Logistics mm -hmm. are always a nightmare with things in the world these days with COVID and, yeah. you know, just struggling through life, you know, with airports and just there's so much tension it feels like. So oh, yeah. I think being versatile and just calm and, you know, in your demeanor is really important to do. Yeah. <laughs> I may not be generally known <laughs> as that guy, but I'm always trying to work on that. Yeah, you're cool. Uh, to yeah, I try to be sure. I try to be, yeah. but uh, yeah, just, and just, you know, finding those mentors, you know, you know, look out for who you want to emulate when you get stuck into a crew and just figure out, you know, the guys that are going to be good for you to work under and just try to be a team player. That's the Absolutely. most important one for me. What is, uh, you know, your director of rigs, uh, rope access operations. So what are those responsibilities? Yeah, we, we all wear a lot of hats, don't we? Yeah. Like you and Bob and I, um, I'm all over the place really, uh, you know, between, I'd say like my, my main focus is the estimations for the company. I do most of our estimations for our jobs. Uh, and I mean, I'm working with Bob on billing all the time. We're constantly dealing with billing and, uh, just keeping our standards high. We're, we're constantly working on procedures and processes, mm -hmm. you know, it's it's a full-time gig yeah yeah and there's just so many hats i don't i wouldn't say there's any one thing that i do as the director of rope access operations i'm always trying to keep you know a good feel for what's going on in the field with the field crews and keeping a good relationship with each one of our employees and you know making sure they understand that we're trying to do our best always in the back office to keep everything running smooth and keeping everything you know just going it's yeah. just a huge you know huge team effort all the time oh yeah a lot of machinery in place uh, you put the crews together. That's one of your big sure. things. Yeah, I've always you, been good at doing like that. You like putting the teams <laughs> together, which is essential. Yeah. I mean, these guys are working yeah. offshore for weeks at a time. They sure. have to be able to groove together, and there's a lot to it. So you, yeah. you understand the dynamics pretty well of our teams. Yep, that was probably like my biggest strong point, you know, with my career in general. You know, it's I had a lot of success working, you know, in the previous companies before RIG by having a good – uh, ability to just put strong teams together, picking, you know, just winners, the guys that were the best, you know, yeah. the Wills and the Travises and just so many guys. We have such a deep pool of amazing talent. Now it's, it's a lot easier, you know, back then it was a little bit harder, but, uh, yeah, it's just, uh, a really important part of being a, a really good manager is just understanding who to put where and when and how to spread out your, uh, dynamics between, you know, your company's employees. Yeah. So right now I'm just gonna throw this out there. What do you think the future of rope access is, you know, in the United States? Is it is it growing? Is it staying oh, okay. the same? Okay. Yeah. Um, oh, it's growing big time, man. I mean, as you know, it's just, it's yeah. blowing up. It's just blowing up like crazy. I never ever dreamed it would be such a, you know, it's it's a lot of competition for sure. There's yeah. so many so many companies out there now. It's sort of exploded like rock climbing generally. Yeah. It's just total, you know, a lot of competition. And more but, and more contractors are realizing that sure. rope access yep. is a good way to get work at height done. 
Absolutely. All right, you guys. So that's kind of the first little part of the Rigway podcast. We're going to do a little nice transition here, and then we're going to get into the next part where we're going to talk about success strategies, entrepreneurship, and business. And uh, you're going to enjoy that. And that was a lot of great advice there from Chad. Here's a personal success strategy that I think is essential for all young people starting out in life that uh, I think you'll agree with. And that's knowing how to read a tape measure. Okay, yeah. Yeah, it's surprising actually how many people don't know how to read a tape measure correctly. And then just being able to work the fractions, pretty important stuff. Pretty important stuff. We'll probably hire you rig and we'll audition <laughs> you on a tape measure and you can pass it. <laughs> right on. All right, so now we're gonna talk for a little bit on entrepreneurship and business. Chad, you have an entrepreneur streak in you, so you must like being in business for yourself. Tell us why you like being an entrepreneur, some of the pros and cons of being in business for yourself. Sure, oh goodness, yeah. <laughs> this is a, a big question you know, for me, and it's just been something that's been a part of me since I was young. I've always been entrepreneurial, I guess, as a young kid. Uh, my first business with uh, my brother was a bar in Youngstown, Ohio that we wow. had. It was a little basement club and we had live music in that pub. Uh, I wasn't even old enough to hold a liquor license at that point. It was just a real corrupt town that we, <laughs> we sort of came from. Kevin was though, and uh, yeah, we had this little bar. I was for a couple years. Uh, so yeah, entrepreneurship has always been a thing for me, just growing up in a, in a construction pub. Uh, my parents owned a small, really small uh, construction pub in Youngstown, Ohio. It had 12 bar stools and four booths and uh, just a whole host of characters that would come in that bar every day on a daily. Kevin and I started bussing tables in there when we were you know, eight years old, and we just worked in that pub, and we learned so much about entrepreneurship because most of the people that came in there were patrons, owned small businesses, and they were all hustling and struggling yeah. to get through life. Yeah. And uh, it was just a huge impact on us as kids, and it was just where we grew up. It was just something that was pushed upon you almost, like to make it out of the town, you know, and just, you know, I don't know, we sort of grew up around just trying to push and hustle and struggle to make money. That was what you did in Ohio, Youngstown, yeah. Ohio. So I'm, I'm yeah. sure it's going down right now there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you it's going down, hustle, all right. <laughs> you know, you, uh, one of the things that you've always uh, impressed me with is the your ability to look around, see a need, and capitalize on it. And, you know, that's kind of how Rig came about. Oh, is yeah. There was a need for uh, a better rope access company. That's funny you bring that up because the last one, the last one with Jason, it sounded like you said, I brought it to you, but I remember you approaching me to start this company. <laughs> it <laughs> well, was on the back loading dock of the Sands. It, it sure we were, was. We were loading out a show and you came yep. to me. I'll, I'll never forget it. We were in the back of a hot ass loading dock and you were adamant about, you know, about doing this and you stayed on me and kept pushing it. And, you know, here we are. And yeah, here we are. Yeah. Back loading dock of the Sands yep. Expo. That's where it all <laughs> Next started. To the I remember walking away thinking, man, this could be a bad idea. <laughs> this could be a bad idea. <laughs> but man, it was a great, great idea. It was the best decision we ever made. Yeah, yeah, it definitely is. You know, um, I know you like being your own boss. Sure. Yep. You know, yep. I definitely like yep. being my own yep. boss too. And, yeah. you know, there's uh, at the end of the day, you know, it's great uh, creating an economy and putting lots of people to work. But uh, there's an element of stress 
to it and sometimes it's nice being sure just showing up oh, and man, neck yeah. down no responsibility yeah, there's something it? to be said for just being a worker bee for sure yeah just being a yep. worker bee totally yeah so let me ask you this you know we've both worked for other people um we've worked for great companies and we work for companies that aren't the best to work for sure what do you you know value in a company that you have to give your time to that you're gonna go put in a lot of effort for what do you want to see from a company? Because Rig, we work hard to be a good company to work for. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, a good company to me to work for first and foremost is just how the setup is as far as the employers taking care of their employees, uh, listening to their employees, uh, making sure that their employees are taken care of from a family standpoint. Almost, we're not we're not big corporate guys. Yeah. You know, we're a corporation, but uh, we are known as a family owned and operated outfit. Yeah. And I think that's probably our, you know, one of our highest attributes as a company is just people love knowing who their boss is. They'd love to know that they can go to their boss if they have a problem and talk to them on a personal level. We're friends with most of our employees. Yeah. Some we've known for 20 years, you know? Yeah. So I think a deep rooted uh, foundation of knowing your employees and your employees knowing you and just being really transparent uh, it's really important just making sure everybody's getting what they want and uh, and it's going both ways for sure uh, I yeah I feel the same way about that and you and I have both worked for companies that were founded by the owners and we mm -hmm. worked for yep. them at the time and they, and then were they good. got sold yeah, and yeah. the culture changed yeah everything changed for the company i worked for big time it was mega and becomes uh, you everything becomes distant you feel a little bit disconnected. They always tell you, oh no, nothing's gonna change. Sure, <laughs> it's sure. like, oh, big change. God, I hope we never have to do that. Yeah, yeah, we, we work hard to keep that family feel at RIG. Sure. You yeah. know, that's yeah. really, really important to us. And you know, what advice would you give people that wanna start their own business? Because it's just something that people always talk about, like, ah, oh, let's do it. Those guys oh, are doing man. it, they're doing it, we can do it. And yeah. what would you tell people? Everybody's doing it these days. You know, people yeah. are getting more, you know, just uh, the risk factor, you know, it's, I don't know, it's just a time we're in these days. I think a lot of people are doing s small startups. COVID forced people to do all kinds of crazy small startups and lots of people are really successful with them. Um, I guess, uh, you know, just knowing if you really want to commit to it from the start is probably the most important thing. Yeah. If you're going to, if you're going to start something, you know, just be ready for the long haul. Yeah. I, I think that's something that people underestimate with yeah. how long it takes to get a foothold, even no in doubt. the industry that you're in. Maybe some other businesses take off quicker than ours did. We had to suffer for a lot of years. You know, we, <laughs> we suffered ourselves. Yeah. for a lot of years i mean we were hustling man hustling yeah. hustling on the bounce rigging shows yeah doing you know all kinds of side hustles i was reselling shoes i mean yeah. it was crazy so yeah just be ready be prepared to take on a lot of stress and you know just be ready for the long haul i'd say you know because nothing comes easy in this world what advice yeah that that's awesome and it doesn't doesn't happen quick um because it shouldn't happen quick. To build a foundation for anything uh, is not going to be a quick process. If you want, mm -hmm. you know, your sure. what you're building to be uh, to stick around and be able to weather, you know, hard times and yep. you know, rope access is tricky. And a lot of people don't know that at Rig for really the first four years we were all doing multiple things at the same time. Different. We were all hustling. Like oh my goodness. Like Chad just said, he was resoling shoes. We were rigging shows. 
you know, it just goes on the kind yeah, of stuff that we were doing all the time. So good. I got a question here for you. Um, the value of and the ability to pick good partners. Oh yeah, it's mega. That's a, a definitely like a key factor. You know, yeah. Knowing your partners, trusting your partners with everything that you have, and then some. Yeah. I mean, it's just. I mean, I've had bad experiences with partners in the past. A lot yep. of people know that about me. Yep. Um, you know, and that happens a lot. But yeah, I've been. That's the number one, you know, recipe for success to me. Like, if you're gonna, if you're gonna have business partners in a business, if you're not a sole proprietor then just make sure you know who you're getting in bed with. <laughs> no doubt, because people change, don't they? Yep. You think you know them, but man, when things uh, start to get tough, sometimes people, now you really start to know who they are. So, you know, as far as uh, just let's hammer home right now, just give me a really good confirmation on what you believe, a really important strategy, you know, for success and in business and life is, you know, just, just one, one, one nugget of wisdom from you. Oh man. I got a lot of them. I you think. do. I know you <laughs> I do. got a lot of, them. uh, you know, I'd say, you know, don't listen to negative viewpoints from other people. Perfect. That's a really important one. I think a lot of people get discouraged really easily by, you know, listening to haters. I love so, that. Yeah. Uh, yeah Stay that, away from the haters. Yeah. That's There's tons so of them out true, there, man. You know, and yeah. it's good to have a, a fan club of both. Yeah. You know, because you yep. get motivated, huh, by the haters. Yeah, for sure. And like <laughs> one that you said on the last podcast with Jay, you know, it's just, you know, and Jason's like a perfect example of that. And so many other in our in our community here, Rope Access, you know, family and, and rigging families, just uh, consistently and constantly and never stopping with personal education. You know, if you stop educating yourself in any form in life, you know, it's just, yeah. you peaked, man. You can't peak, you know, you just got to keep on growing. Exactly. And that's to me a really, really good one for the young folks out there. I love that. Um, tell us a, a, a good story, a success story that you've had personally, <laughs> business or with rig, you know, that oh, was like, man. we had to work hard for, or you worked hard for, and then it came about. A success story for rig. Oh my goodness. I mean, we have a lot of them. Yeah, I know. We I mean, every week there's cool stories happening. Man, I, I would just say like, I would just bring it back to if I had to pick one, I would just say the the whole the company as a whole, our employees as a whole. Uh, you know, we we're only as good as our employees, and yeah. you know, we owe everything to all of our awesome employees, and mm -hmm. it just goes back and forth between you know our employees in the in the back office. You know, I, I guess that would be just a shout out to all you guys, you know, listening out there. You know who yeah. you are, every yeah. one of you guys that uh, you know that keep on sticking with us you know mm -hmm. from the infancy of the company or still here today yeah that's a success story in itself i'd say just oh. you know a huge thanks to all you guys out there for keeping everything safe always on the job and uh just constantly just providing you know it's just been awesome yeah, can't thank that, the employees enough it is amazing nothing would happen without all these other hands nope. involved yeah uh i'm gonna bring it back to allegiant stadium yeah because that was huge one. for us yeah. and um we, we had just gotten our con, everything lined up. The stars all aligned for us, rig at Allegiant Stadium. We were in business for the right amount of time. We got our contractor's license. Yep. Every, we were a small business. And uh, let me tell you, we learned some lessons. Oh man. Because now yeah. we jumped into the big boy world. And we'd already been working offshore. Doing yeah, oil we were already in big boy world. Serious jobs. It's just our first big stadium job. It was job. our first big yeah. stadium mm -hmm. in Vegas. A lot, of, sure. a lot of moving parts. A lot of moving you know, parts. It's huge. Yeah. And, uh, 
A lot of fun stories. We were the sure. last rope access yeah. company standing on that job. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, GRA was out of there after, before us for sure. We, yeah. we were in there for a long time. We're still in there. Yeah, we're still in yeah, there. We're still in there. It's great. Uh, yeah, that was a, it was a huge, you know, moving, there's constantly moving parts to that. And we learned, I, I guess like the base of that was just a lot of project management skills that we learned just, for sure. you know, as, as managers, you know, cause we were all just workers turned yep. businessmen, yep. you know, we're, we're blue collar <laughs> guys, you know, we, we had to learn how to become businessmen and that was, you know, a tricky transition. Definitely a tricky transition. And still is, <laughs> you know, staffing that job was, uh, was, uh, tough. Um, having enough really great rope access, yeah, IRATA rope access was, technicians. Yeah, it was tough, but it was crazy how it worked out too with COVID. I mean, like we gained so many good employees because of COVID because it yeah. shut down the show rigging world. Yeah. And we had already been training a bunch of guys to Sprat standards in the IOTC. Yep. And they all had really good skills at heights. And we capitalized big time on that. I mean, we had 65 people in there at one point, you know. Right. It's great. Yeah. It's yeah. A good the, project. Uh, Everything worked out on that, and one of the the core the core things that for that we all took away was how important project management was. Sure, because we were working with a lot of contractors that had serious deadlines, schedules mm -hmm. to maintain. Yeah, and uh, it was great. Um, everybody learned a lot, and uh, man, we just came together and crushed that yeah, job. It's a good one. The um, you know, I, I think that you know this kind of talk about what it takes to have a business, to be successful. You know, the main thing is, is stick with it, sure. you know, because the world needs great service, needs people to do stuff out there. And there's not enough of us that know how to do it. Yep. So that's pretty much why we started it. it. You know, that was the, that was the basis of the creation of rig. That know, is, we just want to create a higher standard for yep. the, you know, the industry in the whole, and then ultimately for employees to work for. I wish I worked for us. <laughs> We're a great company tech. to work for. Well, all right, you guys, uh, that was some great information. And Chad, you just shared a lot of wisdom of, you know, about business and being an entrepreneur and love knowing that your first gig that you started your own business was a bar with mm -hmm. your brother back there in <laughs> Youngstown, Ohio. And I know the listeners just love hearing all this history about us for sure. So up next, folks, uh, we're going to hear about Chad's trip to Pakistan to climb in the Karakoram region of the Himalaya. This is just going to be awesome. Now we're going to give a shout out to our incredible partner in all things rope access equipment, that being Petzl. Rig is a Petzl technical partner and is honored to be so. I'm going to read to you from the Petzl website what it takes to be a Petzl technical partner and the associated benefits. A Petzl Technical Partner is a recognized expert company or individual in a vertical environment that demonstrates a thorough understanding of their respective industry, contributes to the development of best practices, and meaningfully integrates Petzl into their systems and curriculum. In return for this promotional support, Petzl endeavors to share our information, our products, our time, and our resources to ensure mutual success and sustainable growth. That right there, friends, is why Rig Rope Access is a Petzl technical partner. Petzl is such a fantastic company to be aligned with. Rig loves Petzl. Right on, here we are, the Adventure Time part of the Rigway podcast, one of the uh, great segments of our show where we get to hear about adventures. And right now, Chad's going to tell us about his trip to Pakistan and Chad, how did a climbing trip to the Karakoram of Pakistan even come about? Oh man, yeah. Um, 
you know, I'm, I'm just humbled that I got asked to go on that trip. What a, you know, it was just a lifetime, you know, any climber, you know, or yeah. any alpine climber, or just, you know, adventure climber. It's a dream come true to get to go to the Karakoram, to go to the Himalaya. You For know, sure. what an honor that was just to go over there and to be invited by, uh, by Jay. You know, Jay Smith was my partner for that, uh, that trip. There's eight of us all together that went over there. Um, I was partnered with Jay. Um, Paul Gagne was another one on that trip. He was partnered up with Jim Danini, wow. mega super legend. Wow. J- uh, Jim Danini. turned 76 on that trip on the glacier. Wow. It was really special. And uh, Jim actually like retired from, you know, expedition climbing too on that trip. So it was pretty emotional for Jim and yeah. just all those guys, you know. I, I was sort of new to, you know, Jim. I'd, I'd only met him once or twice before, but uh, it was tough for him to come out with that to all of us he did that like sort of in our cook tent and just told us that was his last trip and it was sad you know to see yeah. that generation i remember like when i first started climbing jim's you know oh. was prevalent still Dude. and still kicking ass and he still yeah. does you know it's jim yeah um the other team was uh carl kelly the guidebook author to indian creek cool fantastic human being we really got on real well i hadn't met carl prior to that trip and uh just really loved being around that dude just, just so much fun just a playful human being yeah everything i look for and you know climbing partner yeah um and then his partner was steven um steven lucarelli uh really strong climber sort of unknown dude badass dude okay he's known you know in the core group but yeah you know not spray not on the internet or anything like that yeah and then there was a group of two younger uh climbers that jim sort of recruited i'm not sure if it was just like help with bills for that trip or what but Hmm. They were definitely too inexperienced to be out there, hmm. and uh, the uh, the girl on that trip actually broke her back right in base camp, uh, just climbing a single pitch. They were just warming up to the granite, and she uh, whipped and ripped all of her gear, and you know landed on her back, and it was really really bad. She had to get heloed out of there, and sort of epic drama. Wow. Welcome to the Himalaya. Yep. Huh? Yep. <laughs> Jeez. What are the logistics like for planning a trip mm-hmm. to the Himalaya? I haven't been there yet. I hope to go someday and yeah, it'd be cool share to go that together about. one day. Yeah, we gotta yeah. go. Oh, that'd be awesome, man. Yeah. It's a it's definitely uh there's a lot of red tape to getting over there for hmm. sure, you know. Um a lot of traveling. It's a long, long plane ride over there. Yeah. Uh, Tell us about the plane ride. Vegas to where, to where, to where. How's oh gosh, that work? I have out? to remember all that. Uh it was Vegas to Dubai. I can't remember. We had one stop here in the States too. It's like Vegas, okay. maybe to LA or something. And then to Dubai. And then uh, we did like a quick, like six hour bivy in Dubai. We actually got a hotel like right there, uh, maybe in the airport. I can't even remember. I think it was quite close to the airport. We bivied there real quick. Um, and then you jump on uh, your flight um, over to uh, to Pakistan proper. Um, and then from there, you're uh, heading over to Skardu. Mm-hmm. And then from Skardu, uh, so it's Islamabad, you know, yep. you're going to the capital. Islamabad. So Islamabad to Skardu, and then Skardu to Askole. And that's like where you actually start hiking out of is Askole. So Skardu to Askole, is that on trucks? It's on Jeeps, yeah. That's on yeah, Jeeps? It was awesome, that must man. just yeah, be a legend, man. Yeah, it was wild. It was really cool, you know, just so much packing and repacking and uh you know learned a ton from jay you know he was just super dialed all those boys were super dialed everybody was really experienced on that trip so it was really cool to be a part of that group of really experienced expedition climbers it was my first expedition you know 
overseas mm-hmm. you know i've been overseas before rock climbing and yeah. stuff like that like a long time ago but yeah it was my first like real big boy you know trip to the caracorm and yeah you know i was i was sort of nervous you know <laughs> i knew jay pretty Imagine. well though and it was good but yeah it's sort of nerve-wracking being around all those legends yeah I'm you're just still responsible nobody. for yourself <laughs> sure. you know yep yeah it was good man we had a good time over there you know yeah. we uh you know we didn't have success like as far as a summit you know we tried uh we we put effort into two different objectives okay um uh, it was Luke Pillebrock was the first objective. It's a really beautiful spire. Yeah. Gorgeous, you know, striking piece of granite that just comes right out of the glacier. It was like the first big piece of granite that we saw. And it was just impressive, man. Just a wow. sweet silo. Uh, there's a couple routes established on that thing. Um, we started going up something that we thought was virgin, but it wasn't. Oh, okay. It had been climbed uh, to a certain point by this guy, Phil Powers, well-known dude. Oh, I know Phil yeah. Powers. Yep, well-known yep. guy. Uh, he was like the director of the American Alpine Institute or something like that. Yeah. I'm not, I can't remember. Owner of Jackson Hole Mountain Guides, one of the owners. Uh, I don't know if he, he was. He is, yeah. Is he? Okay. Yep. And uh, yeah, so we started going up that thing. We were just basically trying to free climb that as much as we could. And we ended up bailing on that thing um, due to like weather and logistics or whatever. And then we went down. And after that, we did some reconnaissance. And then we tried, uh, um, it was the south face of Uzenbrock. Oh. which was an awesome attempt, but uh, we ended up getting weathered off of that one. And then time ran out. That route had actually been previously attempted by Jim Danini and Jack Tackle. So that was really cool to go back oh, cool. to where those guys were. And Jim was with us. And nice. he, of course, he couldn't remember anything because <laughs> okay. it was, I don't know, 24 years ago, maybe, when he and Jack attempted it. But they, yeah. got, they got higher than we did. And, but yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, trip well, of a lifetime for sure. I hope we get to go back one day. Oh man, I hope so too. Got gear stashed there, so oh, you did. You go left back. a stash of gear. We, yeah, and <laughs> okay. well, we left it with uh, you know our, the company that we worked with. It's not for like, sure not on the glacier uh, or anything like that. Not on the glacier. Yeah. Yeah. What was the rock fall like over there? Oh, uh, intense. Intense. Yeah, to say the least. Yeah, I think that was, you know, it's really changing big time over there uh, with the climate change that we're consistently seeing these days, and. Uh, hanging out with Steve Swenson and Graham Zimmerman wow. and uh, Chris Wright. Those guys wow. had just had a successful trip. We sort of came out at the same time. Yeah. And uh, they just got off of Linksar, wow. which was super, super rad. And uh, hanging out with those guys, there's one bar in Islamabad that you can go to in the basement of the Marriott for infidels. <laughs> oh, really? Have booze? <laughs> yeah, they have booze and wow. beer and they have a pool table and a dartboard. You can go in there and it was cool. We got to meet with those boys. I'd never met any of those guys before and I got to rap with uh, with those guys. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just awesome, you know, getting beta from Swenson. You know, basically Steve said he's never going back. You wow. Know, that was his last trip and it was major, majorly due to the objective hazards were just above his level of tolerance for risk as a family man and just... At, you know his age and you know how much he's he's done like 19 expeditions i think over there it was awesome man it was great just awesome hanging out with all those dudes it was a great trip in itself i you know had a great time spending time you know with uh with all the pakistani you know guys yeah what were they like you're you're awesome man yeah the balti guys were just they were great you know we had a group of porters you know we didn't get to know the porters you know it was just it was three days hiking in okay and then you know we had a uh, a cook a cook boy and then you have like a bull cook or whatever there's like three of those you know they they were just they were amazing amazing you know just so sweet you know the the men and then uh and then we had like a guide a trekking guide okay and he was also you know just awesome they're just such you know 
just catering to us. It was ridiculous. You know, I've, I've been on expeditions, winter expeditions before, you know, to Alaska and man, it was like easier and in the care corn because we had this amazing company cool and uh yeah it was great shipped and trekking if anybody's looking for a good outfit shipped uh, and trekking. muhammad iqbal just an awesome <laughs> okay, cool. awesome company great guy great outfit they took really good care of us it was pretty affordable and nice. i would definitely use those guys again okay what uh lots of glacier travel on these big yeah, glaciers, man. man. Um, Some of the that biggest was, in the world. Yeah, totally. That was probably between, you know, the glacier travel and then just like the packing and overall logistics of, you know, getting over there and, you know, how to set your bags up. Like you want pool bags and all of your bags so you can like de-weight your bags and mm-hmm. in certain areas because the weight changes on each different flight you're getting on. And, you know, you're constantly having to, you know, manage packing and unpacking. But the glacier travel was definitely, to me, the biggest learning experience. Hmm on that trip i'm not sure did i tell you i fell into well tell us okay yeah yeah so you know like i said i was with jay Uh smith and jay is just totally dialed on the glaciers man he was just like a little cowboy out there just jumping across we were just jumping crevasses it was really really serious you know crevasses and not uh, roped up no, we were bad, you know, we were okay. pretty, yeah, a pretty bad example probably for, for okay, folks, well. <laughs> but you know, I was just following suit with Jay, you sure, know, yeah. we come from that generation, you yeah. know, like we, I don't know, we felt we, we, the level of risk felt super manageable. Like the, it was really consolidated mostly, but again, here I go with the story. I fell into one. Wow. Um, you know, I, I went to go jump across one that was not very far and the lip of it blew out. Whoa. And I, I went into it and I just spanned the gap. It was like probably five feet across and I just spanned it sort of like epinephrine chimney <laughs> style you know just Dang. hands and just spread across it I didn't even have crampons on wow. you know wow. yeah it was sort of like really gravelly you know stiff snow anyways I spanned the gap and I didn't you know my head was just you know just like level with the top of the crevasse wow and Jay came up behind me and I started shucking myself out and Jay grabbed the top of my pack and wow. you know he had a hand on the top of my pack and I, I came out and I was fine and Jay was Jay was like, you know, he was pretty concerned and a little bit shook, you know, for, yeah. for me, I never really seen him, you know, he doesn't get worked up too easily. Yeah. He's the man. He's well, calm as the bomb. And I was like super calm. I'm like, come on, let's keep going. Let's go. And then later in the day, it really hit me like what had happened. Sure. Because it was bottomless, dude. Yeah. It was totally bottomless. Oh, I yeah. was going for the ride. You were gone. And it didn't occur to me until like later on in the day, like to what had actually happened. And I think mm. like the adrenaline wore off or whatever. And like, it sort of like crept up on me. I was like, whoa. But yeah. yeah, we had a lot. We did 24 miles in one day after that in a wow. push to get to another objective. It was crazy. 24 mile day. We had to, we roped up a bit on that, but yeah, it was awesome. I learned a lot about, you know, glacier travel. 24 miles on a glacier. In a day. Yeah. In a day. It's brutal. That is epic. <laughs> I'm more into dirt biking. These days. <laughs> You're more into dirt biking. Uh, we're going to wrap <laughs> this up quick, but I got one last uh, question for you. What was the first time that you saw the Himalaya, you know, over there, Hmm. I've understood from people, they say it's a pretty emotional experience because these are the largest mountains in the world. You know, you come around a corner at some point, you know, people say when they're going to K2 and you see K2 for the Hmm. first time. I mean, what was it like for you seeing those mountains? Yeah, no doubt. That's a good question. Um, I don't know, man. I guess like I've seen a lot of big humongous faces like that before like you know I've been underneath the east face of the moose's tooth and bear's tooth uh you know when I was out there with McRae uh in Alaska and I you know I've climbed a lot of big walls and 
I don't know. Yeah, it's an emotional experience. I didn't. I guess I didn't get oh, too okay. emotional, you know. But yeah. it was, you know, it's it's awesome. I guess impactful know? is maybe the word. Like, yeah, it's just like whoa. Sure. There they are. Sure. I mean, the whole, you know, to me, I guess like to wrap it up, like would be just, you know, the process of that trip mm-hmm. was, you know, the best part of it. You know, and yeah. I'm always trying to, you know, work on myself in that manner as a person, just to enjoy the process of yeah. life and you know not look towards an end goal always and just sort of try and be in the moment as much as I can sounds sort of cliche but whatever it's just something that I have to work on a lot as a you know as a you know for just personal experience yeah for sure it's hard for me I sort of have ADD so (laughs) I'm always running to get to the next spot well that trip made me sort of you know appreciate that a lot yeah what would you uh you know you're an adventurer man I mean that's a core adventure you just you feel adventure is pretty important in life and people should of course get out there and, and get some adventure going on huh yeah i'd say i'm probably like known as an adventure pusher maybe to some folks yeah but uh yeah man i mean it's you know just follow your heart follow your gut and do what you want to do with your time on this world and try and uh you know push yourself if you want to if you don't that's fine too well there you go i guess that's the way to stay safe <laughs> yeah that's for sure i really appreciate you telling us these stories right on, man. pretty awesome and I know everybody else, you know, I mean, you haven't shared a lot about this because you don't sure. talk a lot about yeah. these, these trips. So yeah, I try to stay uh, quiet with it. Yeah. Think of uh, people are really, really going to appreciate it. And we know our listeners love the content. So thanks for uh, hooking us up, buddy. I appreciate it, man. No problem. Okay, friends, it's time to sign off. Thank you so much for listening to episode two of the Rigway podcast. As mentioned earlier, our goal is to educate, inspire, and entertain you for a few minutes of your day. And remember this. As always, when you're doing things the rig way, you're doing things the right way.